Good day. I'm evangelist and pastor Derek E. Wilkes, president and founder of the Congregation of Churches. Welcome to our website and welcome to today's broadcast. We're within a series of messages that we're labeling healing lessons, and we're looking at healing lesson number eight. We're looking at the covenant of healing and the healing of the Syrophoenician woman's daughter, or we could say the Canaanite woman's daughter. Go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 15, please. Exodus chapter 15, and we'll begin here. Exodus chapter 15, and uh, let me talk to you for a few moments about covenant. I believe we need to uh, establish what a covenant is for those of you that may not um, be familiar with a covenant. Some of you may be familiar with the covenant. Others of you might not be familiar with the covenant. And uh, in fact, let's do this. Let's pray. Father, your word conceived in our human spirit and formed by our tongue and spoken out of our mouth is creative ability that is working for us now in the name of Jesus. We're going to need the anointing, so we needed to pray. Praise God. Now, a covenant, a, simplest, a simple way of uh, defining a covenant would simply be uh, an agreement or contract an agreement or contract. And for those of you that uh, like, would like a more exhaustive definition, we could say that a covenant is a solemn agreement between two parties in which there's total commitment by both parties. Again, a solemn agreement between two parties in which there's total commitment by both parties. Uh, in fact, the Bible is a covenant book two covenants. We have the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Uh, we know it as the Will and Testament, uh, the Old Will and Testament and the New Will and Testament, but it's a covenant. And whether we're talking about a will, a testament, a contract, or an agreement, or covenant, one of the unique things about each one of those is that they contain words. Words make up the covenant. Words make up the contract. Words make up the agreement. Words make up the will and testament. Without words, you don't have a covenant. And you'll notice with a covenant or an agreement or a contract, you'll notice words like, I will, I am, I will, I am. When you find words like, uh, phrases like, I will and I am, those are covenant words. Words are covenantial, whether they are uh, written down or verbalized. Words are covenantial. Words are covenant. Whenever you say, I will, those are covenant words. You, you must, you should, you ought to honor your I wills. Whenever you say, I will, you've just covenanted yourself. You covenanted yourself to do something. You may say, well, I will be there on uh, you know, Friday night, or I will do this, or I will do that. When you violate covenant, that's a, you don't want to do that. There's a death that occurs when you violate covenant relationship. You know, maybe it's not a physical death. But it could be a death of a relationship, death of a marriage, death of a business, death of an agreement, death of a, a business arrangement. You don't want to violate covenant. Covenants are very powerful. And uh, so I believe that's enough of covenant. I think you have a thumbnail sketch of what a covenant is. Now, over here in Exodus chapter 15, we're going to see a covenant that is established by God with the children of Israel. 
And uh, it's a healing covenant. It's a covenant of healing. Now, uh, Israel had just come out of bondage. They had been in bondage for 430 years. And God told Abraham that he would bring Israel out of captivity. And he did so. And Israel navigated this journey through the Red Sea uh, on dry ground. And God did mighty miracles and signs and wonders in Egypt. And he did something awesome and amazing uh, where the Red Sea was concerned. So they seen many miracles and signs and wonders, Israel did. And so now they navigate through the wilderness and they're uh, about three days journey to another body of water called the waters of Marah. And when they come to this body of water, the water was bitter and uh, they could not drink of the water and they were extremely thirsty, famished, and uh, they started to doubt God, but God performed a miracle with this water as well. And he made the bitter waters sweet and they were able to uh, drink of this water. So God healed the waters. He healed the waters. And uh, when they arrived at this uh, bank of water, uh, initially they praised God, they celebrated, they danced and so forth. But then uh, they started to complain and murmur. And this is where we'll pick up the story in the book of Exodus chapter 15 and verse 22. And um, verse 22, we'll read from 22 into uh, 26. Let's begin at 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Merah, they could not drink of the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of, of it was called Merah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet, there he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Verse 26, and said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, all right, if, now if is a big word here, it's a conditional word. So there are certain things that you need to do, Israel, and then if you do those things, I'm gonna do certain things as well. He says here, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes. Now notice the phrase, I will. I talked to you about this earlier when defining covenant. He says, I will put none of these or I will permit none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am, notice the phrase, I am. I will and I am. I am the Lord that healeth thee. God covenanted to be their healer. Now, certainly they needed to honor God. Look at it again, verse 26. If you will do this, diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. And if you will do this, do that which is right in his sight. And if you will do this, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. So he is Jehovah Rapha. That's the name that represents the Lord God, our healer. That's a covenant name. And God's name, Jehovah Rapha, has not changed. He is still Jehovah Rapha today. His name has not changed. I mean, have you, you know, 
would it make um, sense to you that God's name would change here in the New Testament? His name hasn't changed. Has your name changed? My name hasn't changed. My name has been the same for 56 years. Have your name changed? God's name has not changed. He is still Jehovah Rapha today. He is still the healer today. And uh, all of the names that we find in the Old Covenant, Jehovah Rapha, our healer, Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Jehovah Nisi, our banner, Jehovah Sikkenu, our righteousness, all of that is found in Jesus. Glory to God. Jesus is our healer today. Amen. Say this with me. Jesus is my healer today. Glory to God. Now, so he says, I am the Lord God, verse 26, that healeth thee. Now this, this phrase here, I am the Lord God that healeth thee, represents, is represented by the, the, the compound name Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah representing the revealing one. He's revealing himself to us as healer. Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Praise God. Now this is the covenant he made with his children, the children of Israel. All right, now, let's go to the book of Leviticus, chapter 18. Leviticus, chapter 18. There's something I want you to see here. Leviticus, chapter 18. Now, God covenanted to be uh, uh, the healer for his children, the children of Israel. Now, who are the children of God? In this day, of course, Israel were and are the children of God. Today, we hear things like, well, we're all the children of God. Well, that's not true. You don't become a child of God until you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. In other words, God doesn't become your father until Jesus becomes your brother. I'll say that again. God does not become your father until Jesus becomes your brother. Until Jesus becomes your Lord and Savior, God doesn't become your father. He's the only way to the father. Glory to God. You are, you know, sometimes we've heard people say, well, we're all the children of God, but actually we're all created of God. You don't become a child of God until you receive Jesus, his son. Amen. And so you and I as children of God, we have a covenant with God as well through Jesus Christ. He is your healer. You are the healed. Glory to God. Say this with me. I have a healing covenant. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, if you weren't a child of God, you didn't have a covenant of healing. Well, that's the case with these uh, Canaanites that you're going to see here in Leviticus chapter 18. Now, Leviticus chapter 18, verse 1. Let's read this together. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, his children, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. All right. After the doings of the land of Egypt, which is where they just came from, wherein you dwelt, you shall not do. Don't act like the folks over there in Egypt. Don't live like the folks in Egypt. Don't do any of the things that they did in Egypt. All right? Look at it again. Verse 3. After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein you dwelt, past tense, you shall not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, where I will bring you, you shall not do. So I don't want you to act like those folks in Egypt, where I brought you from. And I don't want you to act like the folks in Canaan land, where I'm taking you. Don't act like them either. Why shouldn't they act like the folks in Canaan land? Well, let's find out. Neither shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall do my judgments and keep mine ordinance to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, 
he shall live in them. I am the Lord. Now, verses 6 all the way up into verse 23 describes the lifestyle of the Canaanites. Canaanites. And these folks in Canaan land, one of the things that they would do is, uh, well, many things they would do, but they would have sex, men with men, women with women, orgies, um, incest, all kinds of sexual sins that God considered uh, an abomination. And uh, he considered it ungodly. This, is, this behavior was a behavior that he did not want his children, Israel, engaging in. He says, do not act like those folks in Canaan land. They acted like animals, animals. They acted like dogs. And uh, you're going to see Jesus express this uh, when communicating with the Canaanite woman, or we could say the Syrophoenician woman that we're going to look at momentarily. And uh, these folk, folks acted in that way. So much so, he said, listen, don't act like those folks. Look at verse 24. Defile not yourselves in any of these things, for in all these things, these for in all of these, the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. Verse 25. And the land is defiled. Therefore, I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it. And the land itself vomited out her inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourneth amongst you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done, which were before you, and the land is defiled, that the land spew you not out also when you defile it as it spewed out the nations that were before you. Verse 29. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from amongst their people. Therefore shall you keep mine ordinances that you commit not any one of these abominable customs which were committed before you, and that you defile not yourselves therein. I am the Lord your God. Praise God. So he's saying, I don't want you acting like these folks. Now let's go over to, uh, let's go to the book of Mark chapter 7. I want you to see something here. Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. In fact, let's do this. I would have you go to Mark 7, but let's go to Matthew 15. Let's go straight to Matthew 15. We can accomplish our objective here in Matthew. I believe you can see much here in Matthew chapter 15. And let's look at uh, verse 21. Now, we need to go to Mark because I need you to see something. Go to Mark chapter 7, and we'll come back to Matthew 15. Let's go to Mark 7 and look at verse 24. Mark 7 and verse 24. Notice what it says here. And from thence he arose, speaking of Jesus, and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and entered into an house, and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. All right? For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him, and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation. And she besought him that he would come and cast forth the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled, for it is not proper to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, for this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. Now, let's go over to uh, Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 13. Now, remember, Mark said that uh, she was a Syrophoenician woman, 
okay? Syrophoenician woman. Now look at Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Same story, different author here. Verse 22, and behold, a woman of Canaan. So now she's a Canaanite woman. So Mark says that she was a Greek Syrophoenician woman. And here Matthew refers to her as a Canaanite. Behold, a woman of Canaan, both draw emphasis uh, to where she's from. Why? Because that's significant in this story. She was from Canaan. She was from the land of Canaan. She was a Canaanite. Uh, she was from that environment that we just read about in the book of Leviticus. She did not have a covenant with God. She was not a Jewish proselyte. She, she was not a child of God. She was not of Israel, you see. All right, so now, verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a demon. Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Now, these are covenant words here. Uh, these words are words that would be used by a Jewish person uh, referring to the Messiah or the Christ, the anointed one, uh, son of David. That's not an expression that would be used by a Syrophoenician woman or one from uh, Canaan land, a Canaanite person. All right. And so she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Now, there were others that said, have mercy on me. And when they did, uh, they tapped into some mercy. Now, what is mercy? Mercy is, um, if we could say it this way, mercy is you uh, getting what you don't deserve. Jesus received what he didn't deserve, punishment and penalty for Adam's disobedience and high treason in the Garden of Eden, for man's sin. Jesus received what he didn't deserve. He did not deserve to be punished. And he did that. He received what he didn't deserve so that you could receive what you didn't deserve, which is the mercy of God. And so uh, there are others that put a demand on the mercy of God and they received the manifestation of God's mercy. Here, this woman, she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Now she uses this phrase, but she's not serious. She's using a borrowed phrase. Her heart isn't in it. And uh, Jesus ignores her. Her heart isn't in it. This is a borrowed phrase. She's using this phrase, this term to, uh, how could we say, uh, to endear Jesus to her. She's looking to uh, endear her, him to herself. Uh, have mercy on me, thou son of David. She's looking to gain favor with him by using this phrase. It's a borrowed phrase. Her heart isn't in it. And uh, uh, look at verse 23. But he answered her, not a word. He ignored her. Now, if there was an opportunity for her to be offended, this certainly would have been an opportunity for her to take offense. And uh, you need to know this, that offense will always hinder the flow of the anointing. Say that with me. Offense will always hinder the flow of the anointing. Don't ever get offended. Don't, don't get offended at Jesus. Don't get offended at a man of God. And don't get offended at the man of God's team, the pastor's team, the leadership team. And uh, because that could hinder the flow of what you're looking to accomplish. Offense always hinders the flow of the anointing or the power of God. And so she could have gotten offended right here when he ignored her. And uh, his disciples came and besought him saying, send her away for she cries after her. So now the leadership team is saying, send her away for she cries after her, us. And uh, uh, she could have been offended here. She could have said, you know what? I'm offended 
First of all, I'm offended that you uh, you uh, ignored me. Secondly, I'm offended that your team, your leadership team, they also uh, treated me in a way that I feel is disrespectful. Uh, they're talking about send me away. I'm offended. She could have been offended and not re not have received for her daughter. All right. Verse 24. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, if the first things, uh, the two things didn't offend her, this cer certainly this third thing could have. He ignores her. The leadership team says, send her away. And now he says, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You're not a child of God. You're not a Jew. You're not a part of uh, uh, the children of Israel. You know, I'm not sent to you. She could have gotten offended there. But she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. She pressed in, even in the face of uh, uh, perceived uh, rejection. Uh, she pressed in. She could have said, I'm being rejected. The disciple said to send me away. He's saying that I, uh, I'm not a part of the children of Israel. He's, uh, he ignored me. I'm being rejected here. I, I, I'm pressing in. She pressed in, even in the face of um, uh, what could have appeared to her to be rejection, all right? And she worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. And then in verse 26, notice what he says here. It is not proper to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Now, if the first three things didn't cause her to be offended, certainly this uh, could have. When he says, uh, it is not proper to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Now, the word tells us in other places to not give that which is holy to dogs. And uh, so he's saying to her, uh, you know, he's not slandering her, but he's saying that you folks out there in Canaan land, because she was a Canaanite, you act like dogs, you live like dogs, you live dirty. Uh, and uh, it's not proper to take that which is the children's bread healing. That's what she was looking for. She was seeking healing. It's not proper to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. And uh, she could have gotten offended, but she didn't. What does she say? She said, truth, Lord. Whoa, truth, Lord. You're, you're speaking truth. What you're saying is true. We do live like dogs in Canaan land as a Canaanite. We have lived like dogs. We do live like dogs. You're true. You're, you're telling the truth. This is true. We have lived like dogs. And uh, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Now, that statement, I believe, was inspired of God. Uh, this was not some quick retort that she, you know, had uh, in her. I believe that she got this at that moment. She spoke a word of faith. She spoke a word of faith at that moment, and Jesus was impressed with this word of faith. And uh, he said, he answered and said unto her, verse 28, a woman, a woman, great is your faith, be it unto you, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. He said that this woman had great faith, great faith based on how she responded, how she handled that situation. She was persistent and uh, she endured and uh, she released her faith here. She says, okay, okay, I don't have a covenant. I'm not a Jew. I'm not a Jewish proselyte. Uh, I'm not a child of God. I'm not of the children of Israel. You're right. And I do, you know, I've been living like a dog. I've been acting like uh, the folks in my region. Canaanites. And uh, yet, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 
And he says, okay, she just released her faith in a big way. And he calls it great faith. Now, there are two people within the Gospels that are uh, labeled as having great faith. That's this woman right here in this particular uh, story. And also uh, the centurion uh, who wanted healing for his servant. And uh, so uh, you'll see that in lesson number seven. And so the centurion was labeled as having great faith. This woman is labeled as having great faith. And I find two things um, in common with these two individuals. And, uh, uh, and that is that they both were interceding for someone else. This woman was interceding for her daughter and the centurion was interceding for his servant. They both was labeled as having great faith and they both had great insight and revelation concerning uh, some things and Jesus says, this is great faith. This is great faith. This woman released her faith. Glory be to God. Isn't that awesome? Now, I want you to go with me over to the book of Psalm 37 and verse 25. Psalm 37. Psalm 37 and verse 25. Psalm 37. And let's look at verse 25 here. And uh, verse 25, it reads as follows. I've been young and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Glory be to God. And so for you and I, we're the seed of Abraham. Glory to God. And uh, we don't have to beg for healing. Healing is the children's bread. You and I don't have to beg. Now, this woman, she was begging, but she wasn't a child of God. You and I are children of God today, and we're not having to beg for healing. Healing is ours. Healing is a far gone conclusion. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 11. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11. And then we're going to look at Matthew 7 and verse 11. So 6, 11 and 7, 11. 6, 11 and 7, 11. Glory to God. Matthew 6 and verse 11 says, Give us this day our daily bread. Say, I receive my bread. I receive my bread for the day. Glory to God. Give us this day our daily bread. Glory to God. You're supposed to be walking in healing and health every day of the week. Every day of the week, you're supposed to be walking in healing and health. It's your it's your bread. It belongs to you. You're a child of God. You don't have to beg for healing. Healing is yours. Glory to God. Now look at 7-11, Matthew 7-11. If you then being evil, or at least the world being evil, you're no longer part of the world, uh, know how to give good gifts unto your children, 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 how much more shall your father, 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 which is in heaven, give good things to those that ask him. He's willing to give you what belongs to you as a child. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. Say that with me. I'm a child of God. I have a right to bread. I have a right to be at the, at the table. Glory to God. Drinking from the cup. Living in the overflow. Experiencing healing and health every single day of the week. That's your covenant right. That's your blood-bought covenant right. You have a covenant with God through Jesus Christ. You also have a covenant. Amen. And now what I like to do is release my faith in behalf of you that are listening and watching. Uh, perhaps you are experiencing something in your physical body and you would like to experience a manifestation of the glory of God. Uh, today, I'd like to release my faith with you. Say this with me. I will experience a manifestation of the glory of God in my physical body today. Say it again. I will experience 
a manifestation of the glory of God in my physical body today. Say it one more time. Say it one more time. I will experience a manifestation of the glory of God in my physical body today. I want to release my faith with you now. Just lift your hands. Glory to God. I'll release my faith. I'll say some words. And I just want you to receive. In the name of Jesus, I speak to you sickness and disease. I command you to cease your activity in this person's body. Cancer, I command you to die. Lupus, I command you to stop. Go. Flee. Leave this woman. Leave this man. I command pain to go. I command COVID to go. I speak healing and health over your body right now in the name of Jesus. Say, I receive. I receive manifestation. Pain, go. Leave now in the name of Jesus. Leave now. All pain goes now in the name of Jesus. Praise God. I'm confident that you've been empowered. And I'd like to encourage you to reach out to us and give us your testimony using our website, the link is right above my head, www.congregationofchurches.org. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Evangelist and Pastor Cherokee Books, and I have the Congregation of Churches saying to you,